Hey guys, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors. Afflictor Broadheads has let us in on some exciting news. Their hybrid mini broadheads are finally back in stock. They're on AfflictorBroadheads.com right now. You should rush over there right now. Go check them out. The newly designed K2 Mini and Hybrid X Mini feature a patented non-shearing drive key to deploy the blades without losing any kinetic energy. They also feature a newly designed blade angle for better edge retention and superior penetration. On top of all that, the Mini line features the new Sex Bolt system for a more precise fit and added durability. These broadheads are a favorite of afflictor shooters, so you don't want to wait too long to get some for yourself. Personally, I'm going to rush over there right after I'm done recording this and pick up a pack myself. Learn more at afflictorbroadheads.com. You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. This is Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. And we are jo- and kickstand Josh Luck is here tonight. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't you dare leave that out. <laughs> so this is uh I'm glad to be back. This is um last week I did the one but did I have I done two by myself? I had to do two yeah. by myself. And uh because you guys were in Nebraska, yeah, um uh for opening weekend, mm-hmm. and I was hunting Kentucky <clears throat> opening weekend, and uh Chris made the uh made the executive decision that i needed to talk about archery for one of the uh one of the things and then i scared everybody apparently last week about ehd and uh they're worried all their deer are dead so well, it's been a great it's been it's been a great three weeks for the podcast i'm getting messages from people about deer dead and oh are you seeing deer dead i'm like well no, but I'm also not out there looking or anything. Like I've, I got a lot going on, so I haven't really been able to pay attention. But I know everybody else is finding them all over. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's not good at this point. I know at least in Ohio. If you this is this is a serious comment for anyone traveling to Ohio, I would go on DNR and see if your areas have been hit by EHD because there's a lot in South. Western Ohio, especially a very yep. large area, <clears throat> even yep. going closer to Eastern Ohio, uh, Southeastern Ohio, that is getting hit by EHD. So be yep. aware that you may be walking into a place that has a really bad smell and not a lot of deer at this point. There'll be yep. deer, but not a lot of them. When, uh, when you guys were talking about this earlier in our message thread, I had, uh, pictures coming in from one of my trail cameras and it was just buzzards i could see just off to the oh, side no. and i couldn't see there on i'm like text my father i'm like hey what are those buzzards on oh. he was busy he said he might check it out tomorrow i didn't see anything there were some deer that came in afterwards so i would assume it's not a deer right yeah. there so we'll see let's hope not 
Let, yeah. Let's let's hope that it's uh it's nothing bad for anybody who's who's planning on hunting here. But I know that <clears throat> with regards to seeing pictures of deer dead from EHD currently, it's it's not a good look right now. But we uh, are through the first weekend in Kentucky. You guys are back from Nebraska, so we thought tonight we would kind of discuss <clears throat> the breakdown of our hunts that we all went on. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it early. Uh, we learned a lot and it, that, that's kind of like saying someone has a nice personality. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, from, from your guys' perspective, you, you, you went a different, you went a different way about it. Um, you, we went on a few days early and went to <clears throat> scout go on the hunt and then my hunt in kentucky was um quite quite a bit different uh preseason scouting and then kind of going in just based off wind so um do you guys want to start you want me to start uh you can you can start we got two different hunts to break down essentially ours which is going out west on some some public and then yours was on private correct right right yeah it was was on private we can we can break this down. You go first, and then we'll go. I feel like ours might take a little bit longer, just with all Good the scouting and stuff. So, yeah. So, um, I I had been watching the weather all week, and it was supposed to be beautiful and like in the eighties on Labor Day weekend, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> the weathermen uh, decided to tell me that there was you know rain and storms coming in and all this kind of garbage, which tends to suck obviously on opening weekend and this seems to happen every year and it happened last year when you and i went to uh the place we went to josh there was you know a sprinkling it wasn't anything and when chris went to the place he went to it was a straight downpour but where uh when i woke up on saturday i had gotten up um got all my stuff done that i needed to got all my gear ready the night before and i uh I went out and shot my bow and it was, it was a little overcast. I just wanted to make sure that everything was, you know, squared away and, and was where it needed to be with my bow hit at 20 hit at 30. No, no big issues. And where I was hunting there, there was not a shot over 20 yards. You know, if I was shooting over 20 yards, I was shooting um, through trees and that kind of stuff. And that just wasn't going to happen. So I, um, I got, uh, I almost went to the public. I, I, I really considered it. I looked long and hard because the wind where I was wanting to hunt um, was not ideal for where I wanted to go. And I had bucks daylighting there. I, I, I don't know, like three and four weeks before I stayed out of there. <clears throat> I made sure that I wasn't going to be going in there. And I go in that morning or that afternoon i decided i'm like i'm gonna go hunt the private i feel like that's my best option and before i left uh i i i told myself just because it's opening weekend i was like whatever walks in front of me first so long as it isn't like a fawn uh was getting an arrow i really wanted a velvet buck but um for selfish reasons i uh the earlier I could get out of my tree stand, the better. Ohio State played Notre Dame that night, and it was one of those things. Part, you know what? Actually, 
uh, Parker McDonald put it perfectly. He, he said like, uh, you know, putting pressure on yourself to do things and like hunt a specific deer and all that kind of stuff. And he, and I really wanted this like hunt to be fun. Like I just wanted to go. And if a doe walked out in front of me, I was going to, you know, take a shot at it. So, um, I get in there. I have a, it was supposed to be a South East wind. It ended up being an East Northeast wind to where, uh, when I got up in the tree, it was a South wind. So I found a tree, which for whatever reason, I found this property for five years at this point, did not see this tree ever I have just, I don't know if I've just overlooked it or what the deal was. But with the way the wind was going, it was uh, down from a funnel where I have another like permanent stand set. So as Chris and I talked, I, I've got a Novix Hilo and he said, you know, you need to go in there mobile. So I went in there mobile this year, found this tree, perfect size, perfectly straight up and down, uh, you know, got in there and started getting stuff ready to get up the tree. Put this to me nervous. It's <laughs> uh, straight and perfect size. Is it alive? <laughs> it, it, it was. It was so, so that was the first thing I, I made sure of is that it was alive. <clears throat> there was uh, plenty of leaves growing out of the top of it. Um, it was not brittle. It was not an ash tree. It was not a deadfall. <laughs> um, so I, I put sticks on it and I start going up, and I'm getting all all my stuff squared away, and then. Um, I realized that, uh, as I'm going up the tree, there's a very large vine kind of going around it. So I took a saw up with me and I cut it so I could get like around it and that kind of stuff. Um, so I set my stand and then I go to grab my, uh, thing to pull all my stuff up with and it's not there. Rope. Yeah. My pull up <laughs> rope. It's not there. Like, where the hell, where the hell did this go? Then I realized, I'm like, oh, you must, like, you didn't tie it to the, you didn't tie it to the bag and you didn't tie it to your bow. Like, you, you need to go back down and do that and then just, like, you know, pull your bow up. So I go down, I look, and I look, and I look, and I can't find it. Cannot find my pull up. I know I had it. I had it sitting in the, in the bag. I looked at it before I got in the tree. It was no longer anywhere near me. I had put it in my pocket and I think somehow it fell out in a group of honeysuckle that I was up above and I, I could not find it. So <clears throat> I put my backpack on and then I took uh, on my harness, you know, the, the rope that you uh, can like stand on if you, if you fall out of the tree, mm -hmm. I took that out of, out of the little pouch. I tied that. I had tied that to the bottom of my stand and I just went up on my first step, tied my bow to it, and made my way back up to my tree. Made my way back up in the tree. Um, put my um, uh, dew claw hanger on the tree. Got everything set up at that point, and pulled the bow up. Put it on the dew claw hanger. Uh, but the benefit of that vine that I cut was I could use it as a camera arm, which was kind of nice. It was right next to me. It sat right off to the side. I hooked a um, the gooseneck mount for the action cam onto it, and oh, it worked nice. perfectly. Yeah, so it like it like sat maybe like I don't know two feet away from my face, and 
encompassed the entire area of where I was hunting. So this is, I'm up in the tree around two o'clock and I was getting pictures of deer anywhere between three and eight 30, uh, throughout, throughout the time, like from, from like noon to two, it was dead in there. So I, that's the reason why I chose that time. And at this point, I'm still thinking it's going to rain. So I've got my, uh, my hunt worth like quarter zip. Like I've got it in my backpack just in case. And I've got, um, the the Shelton hoodie just in case too if it, if it starts to get cold because it, quite honestly it got a little breezy and it was you know starting to get a little bit cold and when you start going up and down trees you start to sweat so it, it's not raining and like it's supposed to rain all day so I'm sitting there waiting and it's like oh this is this is kind of nice so I'm sitting there waiting waiting three o'clock rolls by four o'clock rolls by <laughs> And then I start feeling a little bit of rain spit, nothing bad, nothing terrible. And then, uh, I had, I think I sent a video to you guys, a turkey came in and like started yelping like directly behind me. You um, know, I was sitting on that water tank and I didn't realize what I was looking at. Yep. And I heard the turkey and thought that it was in Nebraska. I, th- I thought the turkey was near. I was like, oh, man, I hear a turkey. And then later, you started talking about that, and I was like, shit. <laughs> Dude, that, that that happened when we went turkey hunting in the spring. You sent me a video of a turkey, like, gobbling or making noise, and I thought it was out in front of me um, on the property we were hunting. I was so confused. But what what was weird about the, the one was behind me is I could hear, like, sticks breaking. And I'm like... Oh man, it's 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 like four o'clock. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna knock this out of the park. I'm gonna be done. Be out of here and you know home before dinner. And then I hear you know and like just kept going. She kept getting louder and louder and louder. And then I heard like one respond way far off in the cattle pasture. So I I've got pictures of these birds in there. It's four hens just consistently. They're always in this area. <clears throat> these four hens have been there the past three years. I have never seen a gobbler with them uh, until I put up a camera on the other side of the farm. I got a picture of a gobbler this year, which would be really nice for turkey season. Um, so I just I kind of wait a little bit longer, and then wind starts blowing. Wind shifts. Wind shifts around five o'clock and all of a sudden um, <clears throat> I hear, hear like a, like a, a stick snap and I think it's squirrels cause there's squirrels all around me. And you know, when you haven't been in the woods for a while, you like a squirrel sounds like a deer every, every mm-hmm. single time. So then I look uh, like forward and to my left and I see something move and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, what is that? And I see, I see Brown. I'm like, okay, this is a deer. So a doe um, did exactly what um, Pierce had told me was going to happen in this area. There's two like uh, finger ridges in this field that dropped down. And Pierce told me, he's like, they're probably coming off the top of that hill and they're going down those tree lines into that bottom because they're getting the thermals coming up, um, you know, towards the end of the day. Like, oh, well, that, that makes complete sense. This doe comes in completely alone, goes in, and she's broadside 
at 21 yards, but she, her vitals are covered up by a big patch of honeysuckle. At this point, it starts to get darker because clouds are moving in. Um, I've said this before. I've got garbage eyesight. So when it gets darker, I turn on my, you know, my sight light so I can see a little bit better. So I can see my pins better. Because it was getting to be that dark. So this doe comes in and it's working around in front of me at about 20 yards. And it won't give me a good shot. It's quartering uh, to me really hard. And like it's showing me its front brisket. Like I'm not going to take a shot. And like, but if it turns broadside, I'm going <laughs> to, if it turns broadside, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to send an arrow. <clears throat> well, it turns directly vertically away from me. So I am looking at the back of its head. I was like, okay, well, maybe it'll give me a quartering two shot. Um, so it starts to, I'm sorry, quartering away. So it starts to quarter away. And then I get my bow up and I look and there's like a patch of honeysuckle in front of me. That is like that. I can't see if it's thick or if it's not. Um, this is a different view from where I normally sit. So I'm looking, I was like, I could take a shot here. Uh, and you know, I could, you know, it, it was per it would have double lunged heart. It'd have been a good shot. And I'm like, no, like I'd, I'd rather wait and take this shot when this deer comes to the trail to my right and I can, you know, just double lung it. So she turns again, she starts coming like towards me. And I was like, okay, she's getting ready to come down the trail. When I say she's coming towards me, she is doing like a straight beeline at me. <laughs> and she just walks straight at me and then goes five yards in front of me at the base of my, uh, like right below my stand. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, deer, all these deer, every picture they have of these deer, they go down this trail. Like I, I, I thought for sure this is what was going to happen. So I look down and like, she's at five yards. has no idea I'm there. And I think to myself, well, you've got, you've got basically a layup shot here. Like this, this is, this is a, this is a layup shot. She doesn't see you. you got the vitals completely open. Her head is covered by honeysuckle. I'm like, uh, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this shot. So draw back, lean completely a lot farther than what I think that, um, the angle actually is. Uh, now knowing what I know now, put it right where I want it to exit and release the arrow. And I hear a fuck, like not, not the noise you want to hear. Like that noise, like when you hit hard bone or like when you hit an area, like it, it's not that noise of like when you, like when you know, you've just like thumped a deer. So she takes off underneath me and goes out to my right. I look and there's my arrow in her shoulder about, I don't know, inch and a half, two inches deep running uh, away from me. Uh. And I wrote you guys. And I'm like, I think I got it close to the spine. <clears throat> and then upon like reasoning with myself, I was trying to be too nice to me. And I was like, Rick, you shot her in the shoulder. 
So as I get down, um, I took my stand out of the tree at that point, got everything packed up. I'm like, best thing for me to do is just to take all my stuff, get it to my truck, and then I'll come back in, you know, later and I'll, I'll go look. So I do that. I get an arrow in my bow, take my pack down and set it, set it down on the ground. And I start looking, no blood whatsoever. Didn't see any blood when I hit the deer. I go, I I, I got to think, you know, 40 yards as the crow flies from my stand. And I follow this deer trail and here lays my arrow snapped off. What is basically about three quarters of an inch below the insert. And <clears throat> it just started pouring rain just absolute porch. So I'm, I'm looking for deer tracks. I'm trying to find stuff. I searched for an hour and a half. Um, nothing, not, not, not a damn thing. And when I went back and looked uh, like, I think about where I shot, I hit high shoulder and like directly down on the bone. Like that, that is, that is the only thing that could have like, reasonably that could have happened with this deer when she was running away it was the arrow would have been like shooting out that way and like off this part up here so i you know i I wrote you guys and (laughs) um i didn't feel as bad afterwards honestly um because i I talked with chris i talked with pierce talked with tyler and Everyone said the same thing. It's like, yeah, you only take that shot once. Like you're only ever going to take that shot. <laughs> and the funny, the funny thing about it is, is that I was on Bow Hunters of America earlier that day, like looking at pictures, <clears throat> and there was a guy on there asking, he's like, "Would you take a shot directly below your stand?" And I, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, "Well, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I take that shot?" And then, like, you start thinking about the physics of it. It's like, unless you've got like a perfect heart shot. You're not double lunging that deer unless you hit it. I mean, you're going to hit it either directly in the spine, in the heart, or you're going to get one lung and that deer is probably going to live and you're going to get guts. Um, so I searched for an hour and a half. I searched again. I, I didn't find the deer. I, I am. I will be very surprised if it, if it is not still alive. Um, if it died, it died. And I get that. Um, but uh, the important part about this is um, I, I did a lot of things different. And when I loose the arrow, like I, I didn't have like buck fever. I wasn't like freaking out like I normally do. Um, I felt really good. Like when I loose the arrow and I think I took a bad shot, but the takeaway that I have from this, and this is, you know, again, like, uh, we were talking about earlier, making the best out of a, of a crappy situation. Um, I, I felt really good releasing the arrow. It wasn't one of those things where like you kind of worry, like, am I going to hit the deer or not? It's like, no, this arrow is going to go exactly where I want it to. And the only problem with what, like where I was at in my head is like, this arrow is going to hit this deer and it's going to, it's going to drop. 
And um, I took a bad angle on it, like flat out, plain and simple. And, uh, you know, there's two shots that I know that I'll never take on a deer. And, you know, Chris and I have discussed this because he'll, he'll, I think you've said you take, you'll take a front on sh a frontal shot on a deer. Um, um, yeah. If it's close enough and I've got the right situation. Yeah. My favorite shot. Yeah. If you, I, if you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to watch the deer fall. And that's coming from the guy that never gets to watch deer fall. Yeah. I'm telling you, you will. Every time you watch guys shoot elk with, yep. with a good angle and, you know, the right situation, you watch the elk fall pretty much unless it's crazy thick. Yep. I, I, um, I, I just like for me, um, I, for, for me, I'm not confident enough to take that shot. And for, from this point moving forward, like I want the deer at least 10 to 12 yards away from my stand. <laughs> like I, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Um, and, and I think part of me was thinking that with how good I was shooting my bow, there's a part of me that overconfidence made a play to role in this. But also I think that me also never having taken, I've never practiced a five yard shot from a steep angle like that. And I, you know, Again, like maybe something I should practice, but like when you look at the physics of it, that's not something I really want to take ever again either. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think it's one of those things where I've taken it now. Uh, I felt sick to my. I I did the same thing I do after, you know, after you put a bad hit on anyone. I felt sick to my stomach. I'm thinking, what the hell did I do? Blah blah blah. And then I like kind of calm it down. I'm like, okay, well, like let's let's look at this logically of where you hit this deer at. Um, you know, it's probably not dead. And even, even if for some miraculous reason that deer died, uh, you know, coyotes will get it. I yeah. would say it didn't die. The spinal column, when yeah. you have the spinal column and the shoulder in there, yeah. it's that deer, if it dies, it'll be from infection, but. Well, that's kind of well, what I, what I rationalized with myself. Yeah. It, it'll it'll live for a while and um who knows maybe you can get it back in there and shoot it and well I've, and that, that's something i've already made the kind of the decision in my head is if that deer <clears throat> walks back in front of me again and gives me a decent shot i'm gonna take another shot at it. like i'm gonna put i'm gonna finish the job i didn't do previously because uh, you know i know i know there's some hunters out there who like if they see a wounded animal they're like oh you know something else again it's like well you know in my head like I, I, that's tag. Like to me, to me, that, that is like, I, I really almost like in my head was rationalizing. You should probably call in and like, say that you tagged a deer. And I'm like, no, let's, let's pump the brakes on this Rick and, and, and not do that. You don't know that for sure. And you, you want to make sure that you're not um, doing anything along those lines. So yeah. um, those, those animals are pretty resilient. Yeah, there's been yeah. many that have survived that shot. I don't like to say this in the way that I'm going to, so hopefully people don't take it the wrong way. But they were made to be able to um, survive. Uh, yeah, I mean they get attacked by wolves, coyotes, cougars. You know all these different predators. They they are they are able to bleed a lot as we have all found out um, and survive 
a lot as we have all found out. So, I mean, we don't want to wound the deer. We don't like when it happens, but you can definitely be sure that a lot more survive than what people think. Now, when people hit a deer in the guts or at the end of the rib cage or something like that deer is going to die. There's no magical thing that happens. Mm-hmm. You just didn't find the deer. Um, but when you hit spinal column and shoulder and all that, there's a there's a lot of deer, elk, and everything else recovered with broadheads and bullets and you name it. They, yep. they go each other in those areas much worse in their face and neck. So um, obviously that happens with the bucks more than the does, but um, it, it sucks. And I, I hate that, but um, you know, all you can do is make better, better choices. And I think if I'm you, I keep shooting my bow and yep. I wait for that gimme putt before I take the shot. And then you let that little thing build your confidence a little bit, and then you take another one. And then before you know it, you've got, rather than this monkey on your back, you have like a freaking train that just keeps rolling. Yep. And, and it it helps, man. It, I had to have this conversation with myself last year after all the bow problems and everything I had. I'm like, dude, we just need to shoot a deer and then not have to track it forever. And yep. Last year was a great year, so we're gonna try to do another one of those. Well, so the the other side of this is, and this is this is the kick in the balls part of the story, is that I went back and like looked at like trail cam photos. So I, I pulled my trail cam fo- my trail cam card after I, I walked out, and um, two things happened when I walked looked at my trail cam. One. All my bucks stopped daylighting two days before the season. Um, two are nowhere to be found, which again, sick to my stomach. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. Um, the nicer of the three was still there, though. So that was good. That 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 was a positive part. The other part, though, is, is that I looked at the honeysuckle bush that I was worried about shooting through. And there's not really a honeysuckle bush where I should have been shooting. So with the low light, my eyes were not doing well and played tricks on me. And I could have taken the shot when she was quartering two at 20 yards and probably been completely fine. So knowing what I know now, again, from that angle, from that tree, if I get that same wind, I will go back to that tree and I will know that I can make a good shot from that area and it's not going to effectively screw me over or anything like that. So, again, heartbreak on opening day. This year, I loosed an arrow at least. Um, What do you you think those bucks aren't there? Um, So, two reasons. Uh, I don't think it's EHD. Uh, I think I I don't. Um, I think that they may have shed their velvet. Um, I know like someone said like, oh, it's early. They were younger bucks. Um, I think that 
they either shed their velvet or they have moved to an area. And this is the other part that I mentioned at an earlier podcast is I did not go back and check the, because I want to stay out of that area. There's an acorn tree, a big oak in the back of the property. And I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if it has not started to begin dropping some acorns back there and they've changed their pattern. Just, I mean, solely based on that. I watched Jake Bush's story like yesterday or the day before on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And he was finding acorns that were absolutely getting destroyed. Yeah. Right now. So one white oak can change your entire trail cam game. And this is a massive, massive white oak. Like, I mean, like I told you, it's it's an old growth tree. I just I found it weird where I'm sitting there looking at my camera, my and my pictures. I'm, I got some like two thousand some odd pictures, and it's like eighteen hundred of them are does, like just moving through the same area, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But it's a group. That was the weird thing on opening day is that um, this was a single doe. This was one doe coming through there. And then, like, there's, like, five or six other does that are still moving through this area, uh, supposedly. Or at least have been through this area. So, the only thing that I can, like, take away from this also is <clears throat> I'm hoping that since she was by herself, this doesn't screw me in this area. Which I, I don't necessarily think that it will. I think um, that this is either you hit this place super early or I hit it around November like like there there's there's not a there, there's there's not a <clears throat> whole lot of in between there at least with this property it's either those deer are there early or they're there during the rut and for whatever reason their bedding pattern um their food to bedding pattern changes at that time you know and it's it's along a little creek bed when um during the rut it's good but as i've as i've told you guys earlier i went and started walking this property a little bit more there's also what i would almost say looks like one of the coolies that you guys were were hunting in nebraska where it's very it's big and rolling and at the bottom of this bottom of this area there's just this nice little stream that goes right up into this wooded patch uh that meets up between two properties and is is perfect cover for these deer so I'm also wondering if at some level that they're not traveling back and forth through there because I've got I had pictures of one of, of one of the bucks from the front of the property back towards there about um, around the same time. So it may have shifted maybe a little bit more towards the back of the property versus the front of the property. But uh, you know, say la vie. You know, well, there's there's going to be able to hunt other days and that kind of stuff, but. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid-season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham lightweight hunting pants and the midweight Shelton hoodie. 
These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions in fishing and hunting. Enough about my uh, about my failings as a hunter and a provider for my family. How'd you guys do in Nebraska? I think Josh? we're we're uh, well. If you were looking for uh, redemption, these are not the guys to be talking to. But uh, I'll let Josh talk. He's positive. I'm positive. We learned a lot. <laughs> Meaning, Meaning is fun. <laughs> Learning is fun. Butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, learning is fun. Bringing home nothing is also not fun. Uh, so, yeah. So, Chris, Matt, and John, and myself all went to Nebraska this past week. We, um, so, to preface this, Chris had went out. Uh, you went out, was this last year or the year before? You had been there once. 2020. 2020, you went there once. And you hunted there for like a morning or an evening. So it's what very- happened is we went on the we went on the front end of the trip and hunted a morning. And then on the way back, we hunted there an evening so i got a day in with two you know one part was like out in the open and then the other part would have been uh you know where there's more trees so yeah so very minimal intel i would say yeah and and then you went this year you went out there to scout uh, a different different piece that we had thought about hunting and you kind of came to the conclusion that it was not worth our time. Nope. Um, so you went back to the place where we ended up hunting, uh, did like a quick speed scout, I would say, and hung some cameras Yep. Uh, to get some intel. And then that was, that was the gist of pretty much everything. Yep. Uh, so going into this past week, we decided to go out uh, a few days before season the thought was our main target was mule deer. Uh, our tags were good for mule deer or whitetail, so either would have sufficed, but our main nice. goal was mule deer. Um, our thought was essentially, I mean, you watch all these hunts on YouTube and stuff, and it's like, oh, day four, day five, these people are finally getting on the deer. So we're like, oh, let's not play around. Let's get there a few days before get a lot of scouting in and then hopefully by the time we're hunting we are on the deer so the season opened on september 1st we got there sunday evening um enough time to pick where we wanted to uh, camp set up camp and then we went out for a quick glassing session um, just in the evening the sun was going down so we were kind of out in these hills uh, looking for something to skyline and sure enough what what was it, Chris? The first or second stop we glassed up uh, like a small mule deer buck. The first, skyline. I think we yeah. were out the truck for ninety seconds. <laughs> so we were stoked. We we're like, oh man, like there's some mule deer out there. We found the land of milk and honey. <laughs> that's right. It wasn't anything big, but you know, we we got a beat on where some mule deer were. So we're like, okay, like this is an area we'll kind of focus on. And and before that, we were driving around uh, trying to get to where we were camping. 
John's the only one that saw this deer, but we went past the place and he he saw a, a buck. We scared up a buck not far off the road. Um, so he thought it was a mule deer buck. None of us saw it, but John could have been making it up. I don't think he was, but <laughs> we we were like, "Are you sure you saw one?" And I swear it was a deer. So we were excited because we hadn't been there long. And it's like, well, we already saw a couple of mule deer bucks. We're in them. We're in them. <laughs> I remember so anyways, getting that text. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the deer. So we essentially have all day, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to scout. Our plan was to split in the teams of two, since there were four of us. Two guys mm -hmm. would go glass in area. Other two guys would pick another area of glass. Basically cover as much ground as we can and gather as much intel as we can in the three days that we have. So that's what we do. Uh, Monday morning, John and I went to, we went near an area where we had glassed up that mule deer buck. And then Chris and Matt went to, they went on down a ways, a couple miles, a few miles uh, near the area where we, uh, John thought we spooked up that other buck. All right. And uh, where, where we're at, Nebraska is kind of going through a drought. So we wanted to focus on water. Um, and anyone that's been out in Nebraska out west, there's like water tanks everywhere um, all across the western part of the state. So we picked areas that had some cover in the hills and then was fairly close to water tanks. So John and I in our location, we got on a high point glass for an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. didn't see anything near this one water tank so we went over a few ridges um and actually spotted another small mule deer buck near a water tank and we were like oh awesome and uh we, we actually crest over a ridge we didn't see it at first i mean he saw us first and then trotted off and as he trotted off we saw him um but as we're standing there kind of watching that buck we work our way around this ridge and then end up spooking a group of doe uh, mule deer doe where there were doe does 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 plural from pennsylvania yeah i, I saw two does. does he's been hanging out with our michigander friend john no, say, that, that that's that's all that's all that's northern stuff josh yeah they were up there and they spotted all those doe <laughs> so we spotted some does and and uh and the stick cover on now when we we're out there on the we figured out that first day so this was after we met up with with chris and matt so after john and i spooked up his dose we glassed for a while went to another ridge system as we we're working our way around a ridge we spooked up another group of mule deer doe does in this thick grassy stuff and then they they bumped out and then we meet up with chris and matt later and they mm -hmm. saw the same thing they saw some does <clears throat> up near these thick grassy areas what we had determined uh they were on these like northern side of the ridges i mean if you look at your map you can see where all the trees and stuff are on these ridges but it was on the north side of the ridges and it was this like need a waist high grass we didn't figure out what it was but we we're like man this is that's where the mule deer does were you know we weren't spotting any bucks but we were in the mule deer does the first day we ended up running into a wildlife biologist um, from the area and got to talking to him and he was kind of explaining to us uh the taller grass was like this plum thicket stuff and then i can't remember some other little berry 
grass was the short stuff, like snowberry. I can't remember what he said, but that's where we're finding these mule deer does at. Yeah. And um, so that was pretty much Monday morning. We we were, you know, honing in on these areas. We're like, okay, if we're out in the open in these hills, we need to focus on these areas. Um, that afternoon and evening, mm-hmm. we went around and uh, checked the cameras that Chris had put out again put them over um, these water sources because they were going through a drought. Um, One car, one camera had a card stolen. And then the other one just had a bunch of cows on it. And then there was one camera that had some good deer on it. Um, They were whitetails, but they were good deer coming in in this area. So that was, that was a blessing. We weren't expecting to see you know, my thought and going into Nebraska was like, oh, like we're here for mule deer. I wasn't really. Thinking oh, you weren't about... thinking of whitetail? Well, I was in the back of my mind. I didn't think there would be like, you know, we live in Ohio. So in my head, I'm like, oh, they're, they're, those whitetails won't be as big as what we see in Ohio. That was my thought. I was wrong. <laughs> they have they have nice whitetails there. So we're like, oh, man, we're finding whitetails in here. Let's you know, scout these areas as well. Our thought was, you know, in the mornings we'll focus on mule deer in the evenings and maybe we'll do whitetail. So we go into like Tuesday, um, kind of the same thing. We we're glassing and scouting in, in the mornings. And then I hung a camera over a, a water source. I believe it was Tuesday. Um, I think it was in the afternoon. And then John and I went off to this, I don't know, we were six or seven miles from the area we had been scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, glass and another water source kind of way off on this piece. And then, Chris, where did you and Matt go? Were you glassing in the hills that evening? Uh, which evening is this again? I think Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, trying to think it all like meshed together. I know. I feel like you guys are in the hills again. I I would assume that we were, because um, we never went the lakes where you and John went, and I feel like we pretty much either drove or glassed. That's right. I think you guys ended up driving and scouting to cover more ground. I think that's what it was. Yep. Um. But anyway, John and I went to this other um location on this piece and we glass we got up on a high point again and glass for a while and uh we saw a couple white tail though and then towards we does i was uh we were actually getting ready to move location because we weren't seeing much and uh, i happened to look over and about 200 250 yards off in the distance i saw a nice buck it was a white tail buck in velvet and uh, I didn't have time to get my binos up because I kind of turned around and walked the other way. But I caught enough of a glimpse to where I could make out his rack from 200, 250 yards away. So I, I knew it was a decent deer. I was like, okay, we got we to gotta bead on around where deer is. And John and I both kind of thought, you know, he was in some cover around some trees. We think he was probably bedding in that spot. So we, we had a, a, a location for a buck kind of in our back pocket again it's a whitetail uh, we were kind of focused on mule deer at the time but we had that in our back pocket 
Uh, fast forward, we are still not finding mule deer bucks. We're, we're finding mule deer doe. And then we go and check that camera I hung over a water source. Uh, and we stumble upon a nice whitetail. Uh, again, a nice, nice buck, probably nice. pushing 140 inches coming into this water. Deer. Yeah. In daylight as the day before season, we're like, Oh, like either one of two things was going through my mind. Either one that just happened to be a coincidence and we just caught him coming in or two. He's coming in on a semi-regular basis. Cause I, I had only had the camera out for like a day. I was like, well, it's worth a couple sits. So I, I kind of determined I'm going to sit over that uh, water source and focus on that deer in case he was coming in on a pattern. And again, this is the day before season. So we're kind of picking and choosing spots. We, we speed scout, I don't know, probably four or 5,000 acres of this piece. It was a lot that we covered. Um, and what we kind of determined was we weren't finding the mule deer bucks. After talking to the wildlife biologist, the places we were focusing on, he kind of told us, like, yeah, the age structure isn't there. You may run into some younger bucks. Like, if you want the larger class mule deers, stick to these areas, um, which were basically just not hard to access, but hard to hunt yeah. areas. We're like, well, that makes sense. Like, you see all these people hunting these bucks in these areas, and they're not there. They're in these other locations that are hard to hunt we essentially determine what we'll do is we'll whitetail hunt and if we happen to stumble upon a mule deer while we're hunting that, that was a bonus that will, that's kind of what we determined our best odds would be um because after getting you know after scouting getting some of the intel that we were getting their some of their ranges would overlap um, based on you know what the wildlife biologists had, had told us and based on what we saw on the cameras and what we saw like you know glassing in these areas mm -hmm. we're like well we're on some nice whitetails we'll whitetail hunt with the chance that we're also going to see a mule deer in the same area so that's kind of our thought process going into the season so we come up with game plans i'm hunting this water tank where i got a nice buck based on the trail cam data that chris had received he was going to wait but it seemed like uh one of the nicer bucks coming in this water source was preferably coming in on a north wind so chris is going to kind of wait for a north wind we we had north winds while we were there the first couple of days and it switched to south so uh chris kind of held off on that situation and then matt and john hunted over a couple other water tanks and some other locations um so, so were you plan. so were you guys all hunting separately when you went and hunted these places or were you paired up like i know you said you scouted when you like you paired when you were scouting but were you paired when you were hunting as well um sometimes we would um like in the evenings we'd all split up um but in the mornings so i don't so thursday was opening day Again, our, our goal was kind of get on mule deer. And uh, we even if it was a mule deer doe. So we have these mule deer doe kind of pegged in an area. Um, so that's what we kind of went after. Myself and Matt, right? Was that the first morning? Myself and Matt? Yeah, yeah. Myself and Matt went uh, along this ridge system to go after a group of mule deer doe that him and John had glassed up. 
Chris <laughs> had hit another ridge system in hopes of running into some mule deer. And then Johnson had a water tank that first morning. Um, Matt and I did stumble upon the mule deer does, but we ended up spooking them. It was, it was hard to get on them in these areas because they... In Are they pressured areas, like heavily? Absolutely. Uh, during the season, oh yeah. Uh, well, and hopefully, just, like you're saying that you're hunting, so I would imagine yeah. that's within the season. Well, yeah, but <laughs> so bird season open on September 1st, <clears throat> so people are dove hunting and grouse hunting there, and then you have deer uh, season that opens up, and then uh, ranchers yeah. are moving. Yeah, yes. Ranch oh, my God. Ranchers were moving cattle around in different areas. And the thing that we kind of learned is where the cattle were, the mule deer kind of dispersed. Dispersed, away. yeah. Yeah. The whitetail's not so much, but the mule deer, yes. I was going to say, like, it, I know people say, like, whitetails don't like being around cow pastures, but the place that I hunt, like, there's plenty of whitetail there. Yeah. I'm not of this belief that, like, deer, like, despise being around cows. Uh, I think certain deer do. Yeah, mm -hmm. mule deer do. It was yeah. it was like blatantly clear, but at the same rate, we had footage and personal experiences with deer coming in <clears throat> while cattle were there. So, but they were whitetails, and yeah. um, the mule deer they're already heavily pressured. Uh, they do not they do not mess around at all. It's just it's the most different experience somebody could ever try. Uh, you're in a place where, you know, the entire state, the mule deer population is already way, way down. And you hear people say that and you're like, oh, okay, you're just saying that. And then you go, you're like, holy shit, your mule deer population blows. It's really down. <laughs> now, you can go on private land and get on those deer, but you're not you're not going to get on them as easily at not even close to as easily on public it's a thousand percent different you go you know there's places where there's cornfields and everything and all they do is go in the corn and at first i was like you're stupid and then where we found the mule deer at this place it's like basically as tall as the corn out there for the most part, some of it's a little shorter, some's a little taller, but it's the same concept. Only the corn, you have shade, food, cover, and those pivots giving you water. So you literally mm. never have to leave unless the bugs get too bad. So it's, uh, I don't know. I'll let Josh keep talking because <laughs> it's just a kick in the balls. <clears throat> Yeah, so anyway, the first morning, Matt and I end up spooking a, a three mule deer doe out of their beds. Um, we got within like 90 yards or so of them, and then they, they trotted off. Uh, Chris thought he was going to have an, a good encounter with the mule deer doe. Uh, she ended up bedding down on him and couldn't really make a move on her, right, Chris? Yeah, she um, – so – I didn't know exactly what part she bedded down. I was working a ridge and 
I seen her at the bottom and she starts like galloping basically right towards me. And I thought, man, don't, don't tempt me on opening day to toss $300 at a doe tag. Cause I'll kill you. <laughs> and I, she disappeared and I thought, yeah, you, you bedded down down there, didn't you? But I didn't know exactly where. And I sat there for a little bit and I was sitting in the direct sun. There was no cover or anything. So I'm like, well, this sucks. And I sat there and sat there and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to send a pin to Matt and Josh. And if they want to try to come kill her, they can. If not, no big deal. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to like at least go for a buck for the first couple of days. And then, you know, if we, because even the biologist said, like, I encourage people not to shoot the does. And I'm back and forth on that because we paid a lot of money to go out there and hunt. Right. Same rate. I'm like, man, he it, so he was teaching us um, after a whitetail's first year of giving birth. They basically have like a 90 percent chance of having two or more fawns. A mule, really? deer, a mule deer doe has a 10 percent chance of having two fawns. So basically they only ever have one fawn, which makes sense that an over the clock <laughs> two buck state has, you know, a solid amount of does running around and nearly no antlered deer whatsoever. That makes sense. And we, yeah. you know, we were walking around and yeah, I'm I'm getting ahead of us. Sorry, Josh. Uh, so I left <laughs> Hurry that up, Josh. Tell us the tell us the climax. <laughs> I, I left that deer there though i i yep. didn't like i was probably mm, 70 or 80 yards from where she was bedded but i wasn't prepared i didn't want to like spook her out because i thought man if mm. matt or josh would be happy with coming and trying to shoot her you know that'd be cool and you you never know that you know you might come back and see her again or something so i just let her go yeah john had it the worst of us that morning because he went to a water tank and uh wasn't far from some beds it was kind of secluded there were some beds nearby that they had scouted and uh i think john said it got to about nine and the ranchers had moved cattle and uh he had a bunch of cows on him by by 9 30. Yeah. so so he ended up getting down and not going back to that spot and kind of wrote that spot off. Uh, that evening, I went and hunted the area in which I had that buck on camera. You know, the thought was these deer, based on where I had the camera pointed, so it was two different pastures and there was a water tank. Half of the water tank was out where there were no deer in a pasture. No, not deer, no cows in a pasture, but mm -hmm. there were deer there. The other half of the tank was in the pasture that had all the cows. So I'm like, oh, I can I can sneak and loop all the way around, come up uh, kind of the backside of this and go up a tree and be in where all the cows are, but still be able to shoot the, the water tank and the area where um, I was seeing the, do the deer come from on mm -hmm. camera. Um, and Heinz, I mean, we thought it was a good plan. We're like, oh, it's kind of right off an edge. My thermals be dumping it down below me. I'll be good, a bulletproof setup. 
And uh, the first evening I sat there, had some a uh, couple does come up off to my left, kind of behind me. They weren't in the cattle pasture, but they were in the other one. And I think my wind swirled. They caught my wind, and man, one of those does just kept blowing and blowing and blow like wouldn't stop stop for 10 minutes and would blow again i'm like oh my gosh just please leave um and then right before dark i had two other uh does come towards the tank and again i think my winds rolled there and they took off those those does going to those tanks were not messing around if it was in the open those were some of the most skittish deer i've ever seen in my life even if your wind wasn't swirling, they'd walk, stop, and then just stare. Walk, stop, stare, sniff, like super cautious. And it was it was kind of frustrating. Uh, did anyone else have encounters that first evening, Chris? Uh, yeah. John. Oh, okay. He yeah, did. Do that. I, I couldn't remember say, if he went. That was the night that John the, had the, the lakes. Yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't remember if that was the second evening. So anyway, John he abandoned his morning spot and then went to the area him and I glassed a couple of days prior where we had spotted that buck, um, that whitetail buck that we were kind of keeping in the back of our pockets. And he asked me if I want to go. I was like, No, I want to hunt, you know, where I had that buck on camera. He's like, Okay, I'll go to this other area. And uh he got down to this location kind of scattered his way in found a good area where some trails kind of intersect and set up on the ground um he had just like a little cedar to kind of block his outline um but when he came back he told us like the craziest encounter that i had heard of he said he was on the ground kind of sitting there he built himself a little like this little ground blind makeshift ground blind and uh was standing behind the cedar he had his bow on the ground in front of him he was looking around and it was getting fairly dark so he was getting ready to pack up and and prepare for his hike out of there and he said he happened to look over to his right and behind a tree he just saw this big rack coming around from behind this tree and the oh tree's like 20 gosh. yards to his right and his bow is like on on the ground so he like has enough time to look and see the rack and out behind this tree steps this big mule deer buck he he was guessing it to be around 150. oh my gosh but he he said he was like in disbelief because he wasn't expecting a mule deer buck to pop out right next to him so he's like just staring at this deer and it works around and it takes the trail right in front of him it gets within three to four feet and stops directly in front of him and looks at john and oh. john said he's just frozen and can't move he said the buck looks at him and kind of realized like oh what the heck is that and then like turns to like hop away john grabs his bow real quick he said he got to like 20 yards and stopped again and he drew back real quick and then it went to go bound off again and he, and he flung an arrow at it and then it was a clean miss but it was a crazy encounter we're like well shoot at least one of us is in the mule deer <coughs> right after we kind of like wrote him off well what I was saying earlier, like our, what we kind of determined was let's whitetail hunt in these areas where, you know, they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Their areas overlapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
what I can't think of the word. A I'm Venn diagram. <laughs> no. Basically, the terrain in which whitetail and a mule deer, their habitats kind of overlap. Yeah. Where you, you start to see a mix of them. Which is, yeah, the habitat is what I was looking for. Okay. <clears throat> but John, that's what happened to John, right? He was there and then happened to stumble upon a nice mule deer buck. So that was John's spot. John was hunting there the rest of the weekend. Um, I threw a couple other sits at that buck I had on camera. Those those darn whitetail doe. I was expecting all of them to come in front of me, and they came up behind me up this hill. Dose. And does yes. They could smell <laughs> saying doe. They could. They're all like, the way from Nebraska. <laughs> but I had cows. I had cattle coming up behind me out of these trees. And they would make a bunch of ruckus. And then I got to the point where I was like, ah, it's just cows. I'm not going to pay attention. You would think with kind of sandier soil, like quieter soil, you would think a whitetail would be super quiet because on crunchy nope. leaves, they're super quiet. No, I thought cattle was coming up behind me on my last evening sit there. This was, uh, this would have been Friday evening. Yeah, Friday evening, right? Mm -hmm. Or it was a Saturday morning. Friday, uh, Saturday, so, eight, Saturday morning would have been your last sit. Yeah. Friday evening was when you, well, we'll wait to that part. I can't remember. Saturday the, evening. No, Saturday evening is what you're thinking of. I'm getting my yeah. days mixed up. Anyway, I thought there were cattle come up behind me. It was a group of does. There were four or five of them came up right behind me. So I like turn around and then they're right. They were within 20 yards. Yeah, it was, that was Friday, Friday evening because Saturday morning is when we slept the hell in. That's we right. We needed an old man's morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you you needed an old man deer camp morning. So yeah. just to kind of give people an idea of what we <clears throat> put ourselves through here, we were going from like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning till 11 midnight like just non-stop and by the way it's 100 degrees every day so you know there's no ac or anything like that and finally i just decided i'm not getting out of bed like josh you want to go somewhere here's the keys bro because i'm not moving <laughs> <laughs> and so we all slept shit we slept i haven't slept that long in years i slept till eight o'clock that morning and it wow. was invigorating um i i haven't felt that good in a long time and especially after all the miles we'd put on and and i will say this it is taxing even to drive there because it is you're just it's like riding a damn horse it's just bumpy and just crazy um so we slept in Saturday morning. So your last sit would have been Friday. Uh, at yeah. I got frustrated Friday evening. I was like, I'm done with this spot. I'm like these days are coming in here. They keep blowing. They're coming, catching my thermals. Like this isn't a good spot. And the only other spot I could have sat there was about 60 yards from the tank. So I, I had been practicing out to 60 and 70, but it's not really a shot I wanted to take. So I, I abandoned that spot. I was like, I'm not going to waste any more time here. 
We essentially have a day and a half left. I need to focus on getting something on the ground. Um, in that time frame, Chris had you threw a sit at the tank, right? Yep. That Friday evening, where you got in those bucks and just yep. saw a, a doe. Yep. Right. Um, right. Yep. And then Matt threw a sit at a tank and saw a bunch of whitetail doe. And then John, I went back to. That was that was the evening he had the no 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 he went back to the area hung a set had a six point come in and a doe and that was about it. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid. And I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really really impressed to learn more for yourself check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com he has he has hung out with our northern friend a little much she's a pizza man i saw me a six point and two dough and five cows (laughs) (laughs) i must be in the habit of saying i'm not catching myself saying it yeah, I, I, you I repeated it multiple times. Are you going to the quick trip or the fleet farm as well? <laughs> oh, anyways. anyway, anyways, Saturday morning, we sleep in. John goes out to the same area. Um, I want to say he had an encounter with that same six point buck, yep. whitetail, and then he comes back with us meet us in camp and then we we come up with a game plan um at this point matt was focusing on mule deer he was going to try and get a mule deer doe chris was going to throw another sit at the tank where he had that trail cam date on um john was going to go back to the same area he had been hunting had that encounter with the mule deer buck and at that point i was like i was like hey john i'm gonna go down by you uh similar terrain features but i was gonna head away from him and he was like oh go where he told me to go in this area that he had kind of scouted and i'm like okay i'm like it makes sense there's a, a funnel here um i'll go in this area and he we were probably 100 yards away from each other we couldn't see each other but he had some running he had run into other hunters over there like four guys from illinois so there were quite a few people hunting a fairly small piece of on this piece of public um, and he said they were kind of hunting the area I thought about going in. So we hung kind of close together. So that evening, we get set up. I go down to the spot I wanted to get down on, and it's it's a pinch. There's this hillside out in front of me where there's mm-hmm. some trees on, a mix of like cedars and pines. And I'm like, okay, something could be better up there. I get in a spot where there's like a little clearing coming off that hillside. And then I can see a deer trail along this water source. I was like, okay, it pinches down here. I'm like, if anything is coming from this other side, it's going to 
I'm on their escape route, or I may catch something bedding off this hillside and coming down towards me. And I'm in, I'm in this kind of bottom area. It's it's thick. And John's off uh, about a hundred yards away from me. So anyway, I'm in my saddle facing the direction of this pinch. And then it's pretty early. It's like 620 and I hear something off behind me. And just to preface this, my left side is my strong side. My right side is my weak side of my saddle. And I hear something off behind me, off my back right shoulder. So kind of behind me and on my weak side, I kind of get my head turned around and I see a deer coming towards me. I'm like, oh, something must have spooked this deer because it was on a trot. And I I caught a glimpse of a rack. And in my head, I immediately thought, I'm like, oh, this must be the six point that John had been talking about and seeing this area. Well, I get a better look at it as it gets closer. I'm like, oh, no, it's I count 10 points. Like, this is not the six pointer. And he wasn't big. He's probably like 110 inches, maybe. Mm-hmm. Enough to where I'm like, it's my last evening in the hunt. I'm going to be a hero and get a buck on the ground. So I'm like starting to get jack. I'm like, get my camera on. And this deer is coming direct. What'd you say? I may be your hero. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was thinking about. I'm like, be the hero. I'm Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> I'm be your hero. So I'm trying to get my camera on, and this buck is coming from directly behind me and my wind is blowing away from the deer so i had the wind in my favor so i'm sitting there kind of getting my camera i get it on i get it turned around behind me and i just hear this buck coming closer and closer and Mm -hmm. i like peek down below me and turn the camera around and this deer is right below my platform and he gets to where yeah he gets right below my platform to where he could smell where i was standing to get up in the tree Smells my ground scent there, kind of spooks, and then bounds off like 10 yards behind me. As he bounds off, he gets behind this tree, and I'm able to get the camera on my weak side and kind of my bow off of my bow hanger. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder, trying to figure out if he's going to swing wide and get downwind mm-hmm. on my strong side, or if he's going to start walking away from me towards my weak side. So I'm sitting there waiting. And he turns towards my weak side. So he's still kind of behind this tree. So in that instant, I swung my bow over my tether and I get stood straight up. And then I turn around on my platform. So that way I'm facing away from the tree. I kind of have my my tether and bridge as like a seatbelt kind of. Yeah. And I'm facing my weak side now. And he, he kind of bounds. I think he hears me move and bounds a little bit. Uh, I don't know, maybe 20 yards on my weak side, but he, he's angling towards an opening. I get the camera on it and the deer's coming. The, this buck is coming right for the opening. I go to draw my bow and on my weak side, there's a limb. My cam, my bottom cam hits his limb. Uh... Oh, my son of a gun. I have, I have a camera <laughs> in perfect spot. I hit my GoPro on. I thought my GoPro was perfect and I'm hitting this limb. And I'm like, man, he's going to go through my opening pretty quick. Well, by the I have to go up and lean over this <laughs> limb. And I, I finally get settled in. And I'm trying to stop the buck in this opening. He ends up stopping right behind part of a pine tree. So I have this pine branch that's blocking part of his vitals. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I had a shot to squeeze it in there. And I was like, I, you know, I anchor in and I let an arrow go. And I hear a whack. You know, he takes you know, bust an ass off in this thick stuff and goes around. I hear him 
go into this thick area where it's a bunch of tall weeds and I hear, you know, crash, 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 and then nothing. I'm like, okay, he either crashed right there or just stopped and it was starting to move slow. So I'm all pumped up. You know, I'm doing my interview. I get a replay the shot on my phone because I was pretty jacked at that point. And I, it, I feel like I black, you know, how you like get jacked. You kind of black out. Yeah. yeah. You're like, Oh, where did you know? I was aiming there. Did I hit there? So I go to review the shot. And as I go up over that limb, my hip hit my fluid head and panned it upwards. So I didn't get the <sighs> shot. You hear it hit the deer, but I don't get the shot. So I'm like, ah, oh, man, I go to check the GoPro. <laughs> And the GoPro automatic play button that's on the top, the record button, wasn't working. I'm like, what in the world? I take it off the tree and I'm playing with it. And it just, for some reason, that automatic record stopped working. So, oh, dude, I was pretty frustrated. And at this time, <clears throat> as, I'm, as I'm trying to get my stuff out of the tree, John comes walking over. And in my head, I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and wait for not ruin his hunt. But he comes walking over. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, did you shoot a buck? I was like, yeah. He was like, dude, I shot a buck. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> About two minutes after I shot my buck. So my buck ran in this thick area and spooked two other bucks and a coyote out of this thicket. Really? Yeah. John doesn't, he didn't see the coyote, but there was another hunter not far from us trying to sneak in this area that I'm assuming spooked the deer that I shot. And then that hunter saw my buck spook those other bucks and that coyote out of this area. So those bucks run up around towards where John is. And John said the biggest one was like a 130 something inch white tail stone wow. velvet. Um, so he, he has a, they get in an opening for him and he's trying to stop the buck and it, it's kind of on a slow trot. He thought he made a good shot on it. Um, but later it turns out it was a clean miss. So that was part of our disappointment. When I got down out of my tree, went went over towards the arrow, and I had like four inches of penetration. It busted off right after the outsert. I'm like, oh, like this isn't good. I I, I must have deflected off the branch and, and hit him right in the shoulder. Uh. So we're not finding blood right away. And my thought was either two things. Either I hit the deer square on the shoulder and he's gonna live. Or two. We're not going to find much blood, but I got just enough in the shoulder and I heart shot him and he's dead where I thought I heard him crash. So we can see where this deer ran because he knocked over all his tall weeds and grass. So I'm walking that way and we're not finding blood. So I just take the trail that he's going in. And we end up in this thick, thick cover. I mean, these weeds and this grass is like over my head. John ends up getting up in a tree to see down in it. And uh, off a couple hundred yards, we hear what sounds like a deer crossing the body of water. And I was like, John, is that is that a deer? And he's like, I, I think it is. So I take off, bust an ass running through this, this thicket. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get to the other side where I can finally see, and I see the deer kind of way off a couple hundred yards. It's, in, it's on private now. Threw up the binos. And uh, I couldn't make out the rack, but I saw the deer was limping. So I was 98% sure it was the deer that I shot. Yeah. So at that point in my head, I'm like, oh, we're not going to recover this deer. 
it's on private, it's a ways off. And then I, I go to where the deer, where I thought the deer might've crossed over onto the private. I didn't find any blood there. After John and I got to talking with, you know, we didn't find any blood. I only got about four <laughs> inches of penetration and the way he was moving, we're pretty sure it's gonna be, I mean, he's hurt, but I don't think it's a non-legal hit. Um, so yeah, so that was the kick in the nards for us. We went from thinking we doubled to realizing neither of us got a buck. Man, that sucks. Yeah. And as we were coming out of that area, so John <laughs> ran into that one guy who saw my buck kick those other bucks out of the thicket. That guy was from Ohio. And as we're walking out, we get up to this high point and we see four other guys. I think it's the guys from Illinois. I don't know, 400 yards away from the area we're in. So there's yeah. seven guys in this area hunting this area. <laughs> So if you're, if you're talking about pressure, there was quite a bit of pressure there. I think John and I just have to be in the right spot. Freaking Lieutenant Ihorn to style pressure, apparently. Good Lord. Yeah. But a learning, learning experience there in hindsight, we were, so there was a lot of compounding factors in this area. There were ample opportunities for betting. Mm -hmm. There were no shortage of food lots of browse in this area and there was water close by in the form of tanks and other forms like it, it had everything you would want for deer to be in this area um and i think we were in the right location one because we we glassed and, and had seen that buck in this area and i'm pretty sure the 130s buck that john shot of is the one we had seen a couple of days prior to season Okay. Um, because it came busted out of the same area. We're pretty sure it, the deer was bedding there. We were in the bed. We were within a hundred yards from where that deer busted out of. Um, but and we were in kind of this pinch point area, so we were we were in the right spot. Well, I mean, it sucks. Yeah. Like <laughs> because I it it it, it it's it's always cool to kind of go back and look at the whole picture all together and you have this adventure out of state, but man, does it like, I, I love, I love the romantic romanticization of like going out West and having a beautiful camp and like, you know, hunting the Hills and, all this kind of stuff, but man, is it a kick in the balls when you don't come back with something or you think you've got something on the ground and God, it's just a kick in the dick. It's a long yeah. ride home <laughs> when you don't have any meat in the cooler, no racks, no nothing. And that's just, it's tough though. I mean, <clears throat> I don't care what state you live in, what state you hunt in. They're never stupid. I have No, yet. they're not. I have yet to find a little dumbass. In fact, I was joking with Matt because <laughs> we were talking about how the majority of the big mule deer probably hide with the best of them. And yep. we're only seeing the young, stupid ones. And I said, I wouldn't mind shopping for one of them stupid ones sometime. <laughs> <laughs> would make life pretty nice, but it's well, just, you, it gives you, me a lot of respect for THP. I'll tell you yeah. that. Yeah. You know, like, I know we joked about it when you guys were on that hunt, but like, <laughs> there's a, there's a point on an out of state hunt 
for me, at least with Ohio. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this, but there becomes like the Rick Cates point of the trip where it's like, okay, I paid for a tag. I'm putting something down and I am bringing something back. Um, I like to call it the Aaron Satterfield. <laughs> just because Dude. I feel like that point for you is opening morning. <laughs> it can be opening morning for me. Um, the Aaron Satter, I'll never forget when he told us that story. It was like the fork mule deer. Mule deer out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what? it was day three of a five day trip, and he, they're like, like Aaron, there's a buck, and he's, he'd already like been like set up and aimed at the deer and shot it already. <laughs> he's like, I'm coming back with something, and, and you know, like to me that 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 is a that is a big part of a hunt. And <clears throat> you know, last year when I when I hunted Ohio, it rained for four straight or three straight days, God. and that minute it stopped raining, those that those does came up to where I was hunting and I'm like, I'm, I'm shooting the first thing that walks up and I shot and I put a bad hit on a deer and you know, again, like never forget, never forget, uh, that whole, that whole debacle with, you know, trying to track a deer in the rain. But the minute it stopped raining, my dad shot, you know, what a nice buck, uh, according to buck masters, the ninth, uh, largest, one that they scored, uh, at least for I believe that county. So, wow. yeah, nice. yeah. So, so pretty, pretty cool deal. So, yeah, any concluders um, from you guys? Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, I cut Josh off. Sorry, <laughs> we we didn't finish. We that trip didn't end with anything exciting. Chris and Matt that same evening that John and I had that excitement. They didn't see much. Uh, Sunday was the last morning. Chris and I and Matt try to get on some mule deer uh chris and i finally found an area where we thought we might get into some mule deer bucks we spotted a couple does um, but that was about it matt didn't really see anything and then john didn't see anything so the camp food was exquisite oh yeah camp food was good yeah that that really and, and that's one thing that i will say i don't want to be that guy the cliche guy you know because i feel like everybody who sucks at hunting is like well it's not about ah, i didn't go out there to hang out with my buddies we can do that shit at my house. <laughs> you know, i cannot buy a 300 tag and pay for gas and spend you know 20 hours in a damn truck one way you know to to go out there so uh but the the camaraderie that we had and the the food and the drink and everything like that was pretty badass not to mention the views the night sky mm-hmm. man those pictures you guys yeah. sent were awesome we, we I don't, had some I, great views i don't know if i got to tell you this but we saw the i think it's called like starlight or whatever the satellites that elon musk yeah starlight Starling. yeah uh we saw those um yeah it's nuts isn't it it's pretty crazy. You like see one and then three seconds later, another one follows and then another one. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, but, uh, yeah, it was a good, good time. We learned a little bit. Um, I'm still, I'm still back and forth on whether I would go back or not, just because I feel like I want, I want a little better odds, but at the same rate, you know, it takes a long time. But the part I struggle with though is, you know, it takes years to figure out private land that you live next to. Yep. And we went out there and had 
three and a half days to hunt and a few days to scout, which, you know, your scouting is basically from the truck or glassing. You know, you can't go sit in a tree stand where you're going to hunt or something. So, no. Um, we hung a few cameras while we were there. And, but I, I think overall, with the amount of pressure that place got and then the like turning upside down of everything due to the ranchers moving all the cattle into different pastures, pulling solar panels from one tank and the tank going empty on you you know, three weeks before you got there and, you know, the, the one tank, it was empty, but then grass starts growing up in it and all the deer and the cattle want to get in the tank and eat that fresh grass. I'm like, and, and of course it basically runs out when we get there. I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, come on, man. Let me makes it tough. Somebody love me. Damn it. (laughs) Um, but it was cool to hang out with my buddies and, and go, Go scare the shit out of the local wildlife. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Concluders, guys. Uh, I'll let Josh go. I have a concluder. <clears throat> I guess a couple. Good, because I asked you for one. <laughs> so some some I had some key takeaways from our trip. I am Mr. Optimistic, so I always try and find the good, whether it just be a learning experience, right? You always want to grow. Um, but for out-of-state hunting, for those guys wanting to go out-of-state, right? Few few things I learned is you got to be willing to kind of roll with the punches, right? Think on your feet mm-hmm. and adapt because things will change. Um, pro- so we had a thought going in and then it turned out not being correct and we had to think on our feet. And then while we were there, hunting pressure increased and then all the stuff with the, the cattle and then the ranchers. So we had to be pretty versatile in our approach and willing to change, you know, not spend too much time on one tactic and change if need be. Um, so that was takeaway number one. Two, uh, I think from an efficiency standpoint, like Chris said, you know, we only had three, three and a half days to hunt. So we kind of, so you, you need to be efficient if you're going out of state and trying to get it done in that kind of time frame. So there, what we did was kind of, we kind of figured out our limiting factor, which they're in a drought. So water was a limiting factor. Um, so that's one of the things we looked for. And then we looked for compounding factors. So things where we thought deer were. Um, so we looked for close to water because it was a limiting factor. We figured they'd be going to that. And then in the area we were finding deer, they were you know close to or somewhat close to water they had cover you know ample places to bed and then also places they had terrain to work around and places to to feed and forage so all those factors that were in one area is where we were finding the majority of the deer so that's kind of what it came down to i feel like as far as trying to be efficient okay Christopher? Uh, I would have to say, man, my takeaway, I mean, I agree with Josh. He pretty much, you know, broke it down as, as well as you could. But um, I would say 
for sure you're better off you know i'm so i'll, I'll just say what i learned those water tanks look really good they have deer come into them when you have cameras on them uh i believe that deer bed the bucks bed uh, especially the bigger ones um they kind of set themselves up for success and watch where they're headed and i probably didn't access as good as i could have but i also couldn't get into a tree like i wanted so i guess i would say i forced the situation and i should have just went to the lakes with john and um josh and kind of dumped the whole i i stayed and fought <laughs> and uh let the wasps come to roost in the cedars and <laughs> you know, all that bullshit. found the only mosquitoes in the area and like my back still tore up but i thought you know what that big son of a bitch is going to come in and he never did so um you know kind of like what josh said learn to learn to adapt and uh maybe don't be stubborn and think because really what those tanks are is just a big corn pile and a lot of people especially public land guys think that a corn pile just means that deer spread their legs and lay on their back and that's not that is not the case they are very calculated and they are antsy and nervous and um keyed up and uh I will say the one doe that came into my tank, of course, she knew I was going to pass her. If I wanted to shoot the bitch, she would have been, you know, like a coke head or something in there. But <laughs> she was calm, but she kept looking right at me. So I don't, I can't really explain that. I, the only thing I know is that nobody else has been dumb enough to sit under a cedar tree and, you know, wait, wait, wait. But, um, yeah, I would just say don't be stubborn and don't don't be afraid to kind of change it up a little bit because I got a little stubborn there thinking, you know, I'll, as Josh said, I'll be the hero. I'll sit this tank. I'll keep sitting this tank. Somebody's going to show up and we'll kill them. Well, just too much happened. And yeah, I, I think the other thing is it's very difficult when you set cameras up because as soon as you go walking in an area, you you've pressured it whether you want to believe it or not it's pressured whether it's season or not you have now pressured an area and give given deer a reason to be on edge at least for a little while and i've got public land spots here where i'll literally show up and hang cameras or refresh like the last one i just did a simple card pool and battery refresh and it was three or four weeks before the same bucks started showing up on that camera. I mean, those things, you know, I sent you guys pictures. They were there mm -hmm. every freaking day, morning, evening, you name it. And uh, so, yeah, um, stay the hell out and don't be afraid to adapt a little bit. Kind of yeah. like Josh said. So, good deal. Um, mine, if you have the ability this year, get somebody out to uh, the outdoors. Perfect season to do it. Uh, second thing, <clears throat> make sure that you're taking shots that you know you can uh that are high percentage uh don't don't take uh shots that you think you're gonna <laughs> try to slide one in there um you know certainly if you're good enough go ahead and do it but if you if you're a novice in a lot of ways you know manage uh 
your shots a little bit better. Also, by the time this airs, uh, good luck, uh, or I hope you have had good luck, if you are a Kentucky elk hunter. Um, I don't like you for drawing a tag, and I, I have not drawn one yet. But for <laughs> all, for for archery elk, um, I I hope I hope you the best, and you know, it, it it's a it's a high high draw, high success hunt. Maybe one day I'll get to go. You but. hope them the best. Well, I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> These are my college-educated friends, guys. Uh, we hope you the best. Why come? I well? wish you the best. Why come no look at all the dough. Yeah, look at all the dough, and I hope you the best. <laughs> you guys want to visit a come and go. <laughs> and on that disappointment, this has been fueled by the outdoors. <laughs> We've been your host, Rick Cates, Chris Leppert, and joined again by our third wheel kickstand, um, Josh Luck. Guys, thanks for stopping by tonight, and we hope to talk to you soon. Bye. See you. See ya.